Policy matters. Policy matters. Policy matters. Policy matters. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Welcome to Policy Matters. Today on the show, we are talking all things Advocacy Day 2023. Leading our discussion is Sarah Bogdan, ASRM Director of Government Affairs. And joining her are Dr. Elizabeth Ginsburg and Ingebrit Carlson. I now turn things over to Sarah. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you both for joining us today. So I wanted to, one, thank you for coming to Advocacy Day and advocating. Um, and, and then now, of course, thank you for joining us on this podcast to talk about your experiences with Advocacy Day and your past experiences with Advocacy Day. So I'm Sarah Bajan, the Director of Government Affairs here at ASRM. And, um, you know, Advocacy Day is really the Super Bowl for us. It's it's the advocacy annual meeting for us. It is what we spend all of this time working up to for every for every year. It's a, it's a lot of work. And we I really appreciate Resolve and Barb's work and letting us partner together so that we can be the most effective in this space because your voices are the ones that matter the most. So thank you for being here. Thank you for doing Advocacy Day. Dr. Ginsburg, how did Advocacy Day go for you? It was it was really interesting. It was actually my first advocacy day. I'm a little embarrassed to say. I really wanted to see as many aspects of the organization as possible. Um, and I found it incredibly inspiring, actually. The other delegates who were from Massachusetts, my home state, uh, were incredibly articulate, really invested. Um, I was incredibly impressed by some of the stories and some of the women who were most active um, in, in Resolve and, and in Advocacy Day have been doing it for years, haven't been successful with, with their fertility tr- treatments. So I, I just really felt that it was a calling for people in a way that I hadn't realized before. Um, so I, I found it really inspiring. I plan to participate in the future. Great. What about you, Dr. Carlson? It was, as it always is, inspiring to be shoulder to shoulder, obviously metaphorically speaking, since we were virtual, uh, with patients and colleagues, educating congressional and, and Senate staff um, on the impact implications of fertility treatment and lack of access uh, to having the ability to get treatment. Um, I've actually been doing Advocacy Day for over a decade, uh, both in person and virtually. So it didn't really differ from before, but um, I did get to meet and work with some new couples and individuals this time that I thought were absolutely tremendous um, on the team in California. And that was great. And I think bringing them into the fold is always very exciting um, to teach them sort of about advocacy and what the follow-up is. Um, So as always, a very inspiring um, experience and always good to to get to do that with patients, I think. Yeah, I agree. I would say advocacy day is, is always my, like, that's like my happy space. I love, I really do actually love training everybody to go to the hill get them ready to do hill speak because it is Greek, it's a different language. Um, and to see everyone being excited and communicating and watching the other lo- eyes light up on the other side of the screen lately, which is, you know, the screen of congressional staffers and suddenly having them put two to two together and having them be able to have an emotional response and and think through how best to support patients and, and, and increase access. 
I love this stuff. This is like what I, this is what I'm here for. (laughs) Absolutely. I think the education piece is a huge part. There are countless members and, and um, you're going to experience this, uh, Dr. Ginsburg, the, the times you can continue to do this. You're going to educate so many young staffers on their fertility, on their menstrual cycle. It's amazing the questions I get asked um, uh, for for uh, these young these young women and these young men who are setting policy, and it's really important that they have um, somebody to bounce these things off of who are experts in the field. So, yeah, you do you see them light up. It's very true, Sarah. One of the things that struck me, and I again because I'm inexperienced with it, was how structured the the sessions with the different representatives were or representative staff members were. Um, And they were kind of efficiently, everybody had their role and they went through that. We didn't get a lot of questions back from the staffers. And that surprised me a little bit. And I don't know whether sometimes we were kind of getting to the end of 30 minutes and our time was up um, and how much of it was they already had an education. Massachusetts is a pretty progressive state. So we have an excellent mandate internally. So that, that actually surprised me. I thought there'd be a little more kind of back and forth. I don't know how it is in other states, though. I think it's different virtually than in person. Mm-hmm. In person, uh, I have countless times gotten out of a piece of paper and a pencil and drawn out processes mm-hmm. and things like that. So I do think that's a little different, um, just the the time constraint when you're on a virtual call. I think I think it's great that this was your first time. I mean, that's great. We need more first-time advocates. We need more second-time and fifth-time and 10-year advocates. Um, that's the point of this, really, to like help build relationships and, and leverage opportunities wherever we can. So uh, I'm so glad to hear that you were first-time and this didn't scare you, right? It was okay? <laughs> no, it didn't scare me. I actually felt a little intimidated in advance, just not being sure how being a reproductive endocrine physician would be. And I assume that I mean, some of the patients that were the ex-patients that were um, uh, rep, sort of representing Massachusetts there um, had been patients in my unit. So I didn't know how they would take somebody, you know, in my position advocating for patient care when I'm not really in their in their shoes. But it was a it was a really nice group. Um, there was someone who was uh, representing her uh, sort of representing the voice of surrogacy, egg donation agencies, and just be, and really being able to speak to different voices that, you know, she had uh, had uh, encountered in her uh, practice. So I thought it was actually, it worked out really well to have different perspectives. And I, I didn't expect that. Absolutely. I think it works out perfectly well. You know, when we can get patients and doctors and professionals in for the same meetings, I, I think it, it like really shows the rounded picture of what needs to be addressed. And, you know, perfectly frank, I've been a lobbyist for longer than I'd like to admit. And that's not something that happens every day on the Hill, to have patients and professionals together talking at the same time, asking for the same thing. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's super rare, but it's, it's not the usual order of business. And that's what I think makes this Advocacy Day so unique and so much more powerful that it's everybody coming together to communicate the the need for access, the need for more affordable care, for the need for caring for our veterans and our military, 
We care for everybody, all federal workers and, and all employees. And I think last year, we actually talked a little bit about Hill staff themselves because um, they are not, they are in a different healthcare insurance piece, a healthcare insurance program that differs than from the federal government. And a lot of them last year had no idea that they don't have access to the, these kind of benefits. And to be perfectly frank, that piece hasn't changed much, but, but doesn't, but you know, each year you got to highlight something that is different and has changed. And let's be honest, the space has changed a little bit with some of the Supreme Court, um, Supreme Court decisions lately. So let's talk a little bit about what do you think was the most helpful part of this experience or maybe what was the most surprising part? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, go about one thing specifically. So we had a bit bit of a shift in California because uh, Pelosi has always been a speaker um, the years I've been advocating. So this was actually the first year that we could actually engage uh, Congresswoman Pelosi to co-sponsor any of the bills. Um, and that was kind of a nice surprise um, for, for us. It was a, a, a big shift. I'm How did the office go? How did that meeting go? It went very well. I think the one issue is she's out currently. Sorry, this is probably not for the podcast, but uh, the one concern obviously is she's out right now. And so we don't know kind of um, uh, how how she's going to come back and and take those things um, uh, to task. They didn't, they didn't actually have the right staff member on for us. So normally we have Andrew and Andrew wasn't there. And there was a lot of different shifts that were happening when we were on that call. But on the plus side, um, I know she'll move things forward. So that was that was kind of an exciting, exciting aspect. And uh, Dr. Ginsburg, that's something you're going to experience as you do this year on year. You're going to get to know a lot of the patient advocates really well. Um, some of them are actually going to really start to get engaged in the space and do podcasts and things like that and, and do more. And um, you're also going to get to know the staff members. And the congressional members, which is is um, kind of exciting for kind of that through line to kind of pull them through over time, because, you know, sometimes it takes, as Sarah said, how many years have you been working on that one? <laughs> Bill? It takes a while, right? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Some, you know, some, some advocacy, you know, uh, opportunities take a long time to marinate and then to bake. And then to rise, then to bake, <laughs> right? To pull out, and sometimes they need to be refrigerated again. Um, and <laughs> then right? they, might, they might need a second bake um, in order to really, you know, affect change. You know, yeah. Sometimes but I wanted to go back to that surprising thing. I'm sorry. I know I I waylaid us a little bit, but I think um, some of the helpful and most surprising things are being trained with so much information, talking points. And having other seasoned advocates to work with um, gives you the ability to sit with members and really ask for what matters to enable family building measures. Um, also, for those who are patient advocates, being able to tell their story. I think, Dr. Ginsburg, you referred to the stories and how powerful they are. They're incredibly, they're incredibly powerful. It's They're incredibly important and very moving to um, both us who have done this a long time, but also to the staff members. And uh, a story goes a, a really long way. But I think we're incredibly well prepared by ASRM and Resolve for these days um, in, in 
regards to what we're going to be talking on, how to speak about it, um, and they schedule all of the meetings. It's very organized, um, which is incredibly helpful. And and I, like you, the very first time I went was pretty intimidated. Um, quite frankly, I was a little scared. Um, who are these people? You know, what are they going to ask me? What do I not know? But again, you're very well prepared with the talking points, but also with how to follow things up that you don't know the answer to, because there are going to be things we just can't answer on that day. Um, so I think that's really helpful. And the wonderful thing is when these staff members um, actually ask for more information on issues and how they can get involved and how they can co-sponsor and, and help. And um, that's, that's a pretty powerful feeling when you walk out of there and you feel like you actually moved the needle for your patients, which I think is really wonderful. I hope that you guys can all call me Liz, by the way. Um, um, Please. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most, because I had, I did go to quite a few of the prep sessions because I was new and they, they, they are redundant, but I wasn't sure if they would have different things. But as, as, as you said, that they are incredibly well organized and Everybody knew what order they were speaking in and everything like that. The thing that actually surprised me was how seriously the staffers took it. I was a little bit thinking, God, we're going to be just one other meeting in their day. And it's going to be like, they're going to be rolling their eyes or looking out the window or something. And they were all taking notes. They were, and sometimes asking for people to repeat something that they'd said. So it was, it was pretty clear that it was, it was taken seriously. And it, it certainly felt like a valuable use of time. Well, that's great. Actually, one of my follow-up questions is like, what would you say to your colleagues who might be anxious or less inclined to see themselves as advocates? It seems like you're both uh, ready to be championing, championing other advocates to be advocates. Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I mean, for me as a physician, taking care of patients with infertility, it was kind of inspiring and validating what I do every day. It was just, it was really, as you know, as, as Ingerbert said, it was pretty powerful to hear one story after another after another, and, and many of them were kind of happy stories. But some of the stories were people just in the beginning of, of their fertility treatment or having completed infertility treatment and not been successful. Um, but everybody was re- really there because they believed in the fact that everybody should have access to treatment. So um, it was it was really profoundly inspiring, even for somebody like me who's been in the, I mean, I've been practicing as a physician in the field for over 30 years. Um, so I did learn something new. It was, it was, it was really great. So I, I would go. I will be harassing my my colleagues to join me in the future. So would you I'm say sure it helps like recharge your batteries a little? Well, I, I don't think I, I I don't think I ever get jaded, but it was a kind of a boost. So I think ASRM supporting them I think is really important, and I and I think uh, really worthwhile. Something that was um, interesting for the group in California is I had a couple who had their own small business. They were uh, wedding photographers. And something that I had not been experiencing in the previous ones was a couple who'd been greatly affected by COVID. Because of COVID, people weren't having uh, wedding photographers at the at the rates they were prior, right? Many people put off their weddings. And so they used all their fertility treatment money that they'd saved to survive during COVID because their business wasn't running. And now they're discussing whether they're going to go work for Starbucks or Target, I believe, so they can have insurance. Uh, so they'll make minimum wage, lose their business um, so that they can pursue family building, which was um, something that I hadn't experienced in the previous years. And that was really 
uh, quite a shocking story. You do hear a lot of quite shocking stories um, from from the couples. So that's always, I think, something. It's very grounding to do advocacy day with patients to to hear some of those some of those stories because those are patients who are no longer in clinic, right? They're no longer able to seek treatment. Yeah, and, and interesting because in the mass in the in the Massachusetts group, there was one woman who moved from California because Massachusetts has a mandate. Um, yeah. And I certainly had through the years patients moving from other states like Florida, where there's really no coverage for anything um, up because the coverage here is really good if you work for any large employer. Right. Yeah. The unevenness of coverage is, as you all know deeply, is is a is a problem and is you know one of the reasons why we you know keep talking about it as part of Advocacy Day because it matters to families and it matters to everybody. And it has to be, it really needs to continue to be addressed and increased exponentially. And the only one of the best ways to do that is to do this advocacy day. But as I like to say, you know, advocacy is not a one-time event. It's in a journey and building these relationships and working also on your state level and local level, also building these voices and raising up, using your voice to talk about these issues is, is, is not a one-time event. It's a constant concerted effort in order to make an effect change. So I have to ask you both the big question. Do you see yourself continuing the efforts that you started with this advocacy <laughs> day through the rest of the year, maybe next year? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I think, um, We'll be following up with uh, members and their staffers that we met during Advocacy Day to provide them with information on the bills once we receive the information from ASRM and Resolve, um, because we didn't actually have a lot of bills this time because we'd had the changeover. So it gives us another opportunity to reach out and ask them to co-sponsor these bills to ensure um, that they know that they can reach out to ASRM and Resolve to ensure that they get any of their questions answered by the right people. Um, and of course, participating year, uh, another year. I mean, this is something that I stay on. And I actually, the day after Advocacy Day was actually on a call um, for the in California for the Senate uh, health meeting. Um, so I was on that one just to, you know, I listened in and then and then gave my support um, orally um, off by via the phone. You were able to do that. And um, so, you know, I I did take all my notes that day with got all my contact details. So I have all of that. That's another thing that's very organized for the meeting. So you can you can set all your follow up. Um, and basically, as soon as you guys send us more information about the bills that are coming forward, can not only reach out about those bills, but follow up on any other questions that they have and and start to to build that rapport out with those groups. So um, I, I continue to, to reach out and do my job with advocacy. I think the thing that, that's, that strikes me, because I do have an office and I practice some of the time in New Hampshire, and we get a lot of patients from Maine where there's no mandate, New Hampshire passed a mandate two years ago and, that, and the volume of patients that are able to have care is so much higher. Um, in Massachusetts, there's no hard sell in Massachusetts. Uh, the people we talked to were really very open and you know, I, I think agreed with the fact that there should be more uh, universal coverage for the treatments that, that people need. 
Um, I was inspired uh, just seeing patients in New Hampshire today because I saw a few patients from New Hampshire and then this one couple who's paying out of pocket for everything because they're in Maine. Um, and so the, the, the difference in those states are tiny and smushed next to each other. It could be two, you know, work two miles, you know, in, 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 in a different direction. And that would make you not eligible or eligible for coverage through your work. So um, that's, it's pretty striking, especially in an area which is so small, the states are tiny up, up here. Um, I wish there was something I could do for people in Maine, and I don't know if Sarah has some comments. Is there anything you can do for states that you're really not involved in? I don't have an office in Maine. I don't practice in Maine. I don't have a medical license in Maine, but I do see patients from Maine who I feel like are kind of stranded. Yeah. So I'm a former Mainer or, ah. or uh, I'm a, or maybe a <laughs> transplanter from Maine is my home state. So there has been some advances in Maine, actually. Um, and so right now, I think the best thing to do for those patients um, is to encourage them to either reach out to, to Resolve or to ASRM and, and to encourage them to advocate on, on their behalf. If you're seeing patients from across states that, you know, had to come travel to get care, and, you know, if you have the ability and, and you know, have a moment to suggest um, is to encourage them to advocate um, mm -hmm. and get involved. Um, obviously, that is, you know, uh, an, you know, an extra layer of the kind of burden that they have to carry at that moment when they're dealing with infertility, right? But um, I think if that is, if there's a window, I, that's something I would suggest. And uh, Ingerbrit is right. So the Congress changed over. January 1st is a new Congress, which means that all bills have to be reintroduced. Some of those bills need a couple of edits before they're reintroduced. Some of them are ready to go. Some of them, uh, you know, this congressional session was a little bit unusual um, because it just took a little while to get uh, the House actually organized to start their business. Um, and also because um, our advocacy day is a little bit earlier than it has been in the past. And for one way, in one, like, it's great because it was during National Infertility Awareness Week, which is the first time that it's ever happened, which is great. Really helps raise up the voice and the profile of this lobby day, um, advocacy day. But at the same time, it's a tiny bit earlier, so some bills aren't quite introduced yet. But I'm sure, and I'm actually I already know this. I'm positive that the, everyone advocating on these issues and the bills from last year will absolutely push the push the ball ahead for getting every, things reintroduced for this year. We're almost out of time. I wanna make sure that we have time here to thank our guests today. Today on the show, we have been talking about all things Advocacy Day 2023. I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Elizabeth Ginsburg and Dr. Inga Britt Carlson. Thank you both for being able to come on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. As always, I also like to thank Sarah Bogdan, who is the ASRM Director of Government Affairs. Thank you. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is Policy Matters. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.